The following announcement has been paid for by Wild Games Productions. Hi, this is Malcolm and Karen from House of Trades, and with you're listening to Roll, Roll for, Initiative. for Initiative. My fellow Americans. This is Max Hedrum, and what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to a trailer. Initiative Podcast, where 1E is the place to be. This is the Roll for Initiative Podcast, Volume 6, Issue 191. DM Vince sitting alongside DM Nick. Hello, everybody. And DM Crispy. How's it going, guys? It's good to be here. Yeah, good times. Good, good times. times. We're all painting little happy trees. Well, wouldn't it be little yes. happy dice? Yes, no, I'm going to paint a little happy cobalt right over here. A little happy gonna, Tucker's cobalt. I'm going to take your two-inch <laughs> brush and get some of your phthalo yellow on there. Uh, I want to use the edge of that brush because cobalt skin is nice and mottled. You have to add some I paintbrush like sounds a in the background. Ochre. <laughs> that's that's going to mix some of this. going to mix some phthalo, phthalo blue with some platinum white well anyway enough of that silver chain link enough of that (laughs) sounds like you painted miniatures more than once in your life i I have never i've never painted miniatures but i watched a lot of bob ross wow that's sad (laughs) no it's like to just chill out i uh this is a family show i can't say that Never mind. Let's move on. Yeah. What are we talking about today, guys? Anyway, uh, so we're back with a brand new show. We got some things coming up here. Uh, we would like to say hello, everybody, and goodbye. Show's over. No. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Did you pull a Glenn? Right? Shortest podcast ever. No, uh, we have uh, just a reminder. Head over to iTunes if you want to uh, give us a review, and we'll help read it live on the air. Uh, rfipodcast.com uh, head over there and you can leave us feedback uh, send us an email at the contact rfistaff at gmail.com mm-hmm. um, Nick you were talking about I think you want to talk we were talking about before the show a little bit about Origins you were getting ready and set up for that yes sir yeah actually yeah uh, Origins coming up this year in June um, well before that also we got GaryCon hopefully a lot of people are going to go to that and I'd love to go to that someday mm. But, uh, yeah, Origins, uh, I was really surprised that uh, when I tried to get a room, it was a few months back when they sent the uh, reminder out to everybody. I thought, okay, I'll ha- I got some time. A couple of days later, I tried to, you know, book a room. They were all sold out. <laughs> so wow. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> what the deuce? So I... Went to hotels.com. I'm like, okay, I'll book a room there. It's going to cost me a little bit more and yada, yada, yada. Then my, my friend Jeff, who 
he has another house in town here he, as a bed and breakfast. Older house is like, why don't we get a bed and breakfast that might be close by? I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Never thought of that. So yeah. he looked it up online, or um, or Sherry did, uh, one of the rest of our one of our gaming group there, and found a place about a mile away, and a heck of a price. So our whole gaming group is going to go, and uh, it's maybe a you know twenty minute walk from the convention center or. You can walk five minutes down the road to the to the free uh, the the bus shuttle bus that runs up and down Columbus downtown. So I'm like, hey, if you folks are looking for an alternative, you can't find a hotel room either at Origins or any convention. Take the bed and breakfast angle. You might be surprised. It's so, not a bad idea. You just got to put that out there. You get a room and you get breakfast. You're guaranteed. You don't have to worry about the vultures going and stealing everything from the buffet in the morning. You know, the free uh, continental right. breakfast. I mean, also, we get a whole house. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, also you're supporting a, a local business. Instead exactly, of you are. And Crispy's all about local businesses. I am. Buy American. <laughs> and, and government yeah, defense. Buy American. America. Yes, and, Ameri- bonds and, Ameri- war. and American defense program, Crispy. Did you say no? American defense bonds. Oh, what? Yes. This isn't World War II. Stop it. My bonds win the war against the Hun. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <geez>. Sorry. <laughs> no, I remember we, we went. Yeah, did you... Breakfast is a great way to go. Well, yeah, because Gen Con when I went uh, many many years ago, I remember we stayed at the. I was telling you, Nick, the, the Comfort Inn Suites, which was like maybe a little bit of a mile mm-hmm. outside of Gen Con. It was a good little walk, but it was nice. And they had their free, you know, continental breakfast, but it was like the Grinch Christmas was there. Like they took everything, like the crumbs were even taken off the buffet, and like the things that held it were gone. It was like the people just ate anything they could because it was free. It was like some, you know, fat beard dude sitting there and eating the napkins. Like I got it all. <laughs> I, I'm not making sure you all get I got left. That's right. I haven't bathed in three days, <laughs> I can only imagine anyway. the smell of Gen Con is worse now. With uh, I remember going there on a Tuesday and it was already stinking in the tunnels. Uh, I don't know how well, those. I don't have to worry about that. that. I'm going to yeah. be staying in a nice little house about a mile down the road, painting happy trees. No happy cobalts. Oh, sure. Happy cobalts. Yes. Well, I'm going to uh, North Texas this year uh, again to uh, play some yes. games, so that Tell should be us some about fun. That. Yeah, I can't wait for that. That's uh, going to be fun. I'll be there on Wednesday this year. I'm actually going for the entire convention this time, as opposed to just going for the weekend. Going cool. to uh, get there probably Wednesday morning. Uh, help uh, Doug and Mike set up everything, get the tables organized, get things rolling. So uh, they have no issues this year because you know obviously we know what Doug's uh, situation of him. <laughs> coming down with a little bit of an illness, he may not be a full strength at the time. So any hands can help. I mean, if you're going to be there and you want to volunteer, just hit up uh, uh, Doug or Mike and just let them know, hey, I'd like to help out. He's and, down hit points. He needs a cleric. Yeah. Uh, so just even just if you come for like just to set up some tables or something or anything, they, they would really appreciate it. Breaking it down on Sunday, you know, they don't, they're happy to help, uh, happy to have people lending hands. I mean, they would appreciate it big time. So, you know, I've gotten the impression now that uh, North Texas RPG Con is just growing more and more every year. Well, it is, but they limit the number of people allowed to attend. Mm-hmm. They like to keep it in. I, I believe they they max it or they cap it at five hundred. So, 
That's it. That's well, they... not too bad. It's just big enough, right? Oh, that is a small con. <laughs> well, compared to like other ones, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, five hundred to a thousand—that's pretty good for like a local convention. I mean, oh, yeah, like that's a ton of people, and like you'll—I don't know—it's more intimate. But wow, I'm, I'm yeah. surprised that that, uh, that how small that number is. I thought it would be bigger. No, me no, too. It, actually, it's, it's just it, they cap it. That's why it was actually capped at three fifty for a while, and I think they now they moved to a newer hotel closer mm-hmm. to the airport. I think the Westin they're in now. Uh, it is a larger space area, so they increased it to 500, or a little over 500 this year. So mm. uh, can't quote me on that number exactly, but it's around there. Okay. Still, it gets a lot of uh, word around the, uh, at least, you know, on the internet. I mean, dude, seems, there were people uh, there. A lot of people know about it. There were people there last year that came from over in Europe. So now that's impressive. Wow. Yeah, they purposely flew in for their one convention, North Texas. And it, like they were like, we don't care about Gen Con. This is our convention. We're like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Super yeah, cool. I, I don't think I've met anybody, as far as I recall, that's like from someplace else outside of North America that's been to a convention. And if I did, I probably forgot about it because I sobered up the next day. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh god nick don't you remember the dude you met from australia no i don't man <laughs> nick is busy hanging out in the uh the l house with k and k people drinking different yeah. ip different ipas they have mm, tasty <laughs> <laughs> hanging out with chainsaw smoking cigars and drinking beers right mm, yeah I'll, I'll drink the beers i don't smoke oh well I, I i smolder it a little yeah <laughs> what crispy I just, there's a guy named Chainsaw. Oh, no, that's his online name. <laughs> his forum oh, name. I was hoping that's like what he goes by in yeah. real life. Like he's a big biker dude. No. Yeah, no. That, would, that would be a biker dude named Chainsaw. Yeah. yeah. I, as far as I know, his name's not really Chainsaw, but who knows? So. Oh, Chainsaw, if you're out there, you should really look into legally changing your name to Chainsaw. Right. Like the guy who legally changed his name to Ocho Cinco? <laughs> the Ocho. Yeah. Chad, Chad Ocho Cinco. Yes. Yeah, that, that worked out well. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, uh, people have been asking, I re-released the Book of Sorrows podcast out there for people to listen to as I'm gearing up for more actual play podcasts coming your way very soon. So that should be fun because I know people are like, oh, my God, is this a continuation or is this the old thing? I'm like, no, no, just re-releasing the old stuff with a little bit more sound effects and fun. You get to hear Crispy having fun destroying my universe and game in that podcast. So That is so awesome. Yeah, Crispy. What the heck? What? What the? What was that? What was, that was so awesome that the coolest thing I ever heard you re-released it. <laughs> There was like an echo effect on mine. I thought it was a sound effect that Vince put through a board. No. I didn't know that was Nick doing that. No, that was just Nick. Nick, the many man of voices, so. Because I'm that good. Yeah. I thought like Vince was using his radio training to bring in some uh, some sound bites. Wow. I am that good. Oh, Thank no. you. Sorry. that I, was. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, you can uh, go over to iTunes and, and look up the Evil DM, Evil DM Actual Play Podcast, and you will find it in there. I'll be adding the Book of Sorrows, uh, the Marvel one that we did, and 
I think we did one for 5e when it first was playtesting. I'll throw up there as well before I kick off the new AD&D uh, 1e actual play podcast with some Ooh, featured oh, guests from the past that you to. yeah the featured guests some voices you've heard heard in the past no no crispy right now we haven't oh. paid him enough money yet he hasn't come to negotiation yet yeah I, if i remember correctly the one that you did for marvel uh was that did you use marvel advanced uh yeah rules for that yeah 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 i thought if i remember that was quite the epic uh campaign it was fun. It was funny because everybody made up their own characters and Crispy shows up playing Spider-Man, so it was kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, how original. He's like, Look, oh. if you're going to give me the option to play Spider-Man, I'm going to play Spider-Man. Well, it, so you gave him the option to either make your own character or some established Marvel character? Was no, it? it was... Okay, so what we did was like, okay, everybody, here's the rules. We're going to play Marvel. Uh, go ahead and uh, read it, and we'll meet up with characters. Crispy just is like, yeah, I'm going to play Spider-Man. So, and everyone's like, yeah, we made our own. He's like, oh, well, I'm oh, still playing Spider-Man then. There so, you go. He yeah. was the only established Marvel character in there. So. I think it was okay. only there for an episode as well. Yeah. I think, but, you know, but you know what? If you think about it, back in the day, I think they even still do this now. It seemed like Spider-Man got around a lot. He always made like a guest appearance in some new comic. Well, you know? yeah, there you go. He's kind of like boost the tales. third most popular comic book character of all time and the first most popular uh, Marvel character. Mm. And that's why you played him, Crispy, right? Yeah, I love Spider-Man. It's fine with hey, me. Does it? fine, fine. I had a thing that I was going to say, but I can't remember what it was now. And, uh... oh, well. All right, so before we head into our segment, we'll be back after these messages. So you like AD&D 2nd Edition, but no podcast to listen to? Guess what? We got the cure right here. I got a fever. And the only prescription is the Thinko's Hammer Podcast. You want me to put the hammer down? Join DM's Glenn, Brian, Corey, and full-on gamer as they discuss, debate, and review the world of 2nd Edition AD&D. Yes. So here... Give me a yeah, gin. that's that's DM Corey ordering drinks. Sorry, sorry, girlfriend's getting gin. Rules, modules, supplements, clones, everything 2E is fair game. Someone lied to you, and there's an opposed role, and oh, they won, so you believe the lie. I know, but I don't because I, the player, know that they lied to me. But mm -hmm. you, the character, have to act like you take the lie. So listen into a podcast where number two is number one. The Thaco's Hammer Podcast, the best damn second edition ADD podcast ever. You'll find it on iTunes or at Thaco'sHammer.info. Hey everybody, just wanted to make sure you know about our new sponsor, the Open Gaming Store, run by John Rice, the same guy who created D20PFSRD.com, and sales from the store support the Pathfinder SRD website, as well as his other SRD websites. For every $20 in your order, you get a free PDF from D20PFSRD.com Publishing. And if you're a backer on John's Patreon at any level, you get 10% off all orders. So check out OpenGamingStore.com to support Open Gaming. Yeah, I remember back in the day... A fella knew how to judge a fireball on the fly and how far the cleric could push the undead he turned. I tell ya, with all these min-maxers and munchkins, metagame and power game, there's something missing that I'm here to learn ya. Now sit down and crack your book while I commence to teach ya some. Table manners. 
sorry, folks, uh, for, I guess, popular demand to do this segment here for uh, a review of a book that's been kind of left by the wayside by us. I think we've talked about it a little briefly here and there. And it can be a uh, polarizing kind of uh, uh. sort of thing. Unearth Arcana. So we're going to do a little review on a full, well, I say a full review of Unearth Arcana. And I guess like first thoughts and backgrounds of the book, at least I remember when this was released in um, 1985. And I do remember where I was when I bought it. Isn't that weird? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was at, I was at a game convention back in Omaha, Omacon, and I pretty sure I bought it at the convention because it was released I believe it was released that summer I could be wrong but I remember getting my hands on it and I I liked it I at least at the time I liked it I mean now that I delve into it a little bit more uh, there I could see some of the things that some people don't like but doesn't mean the thing's entirely useless no but uh, at the time, I thought this was, oh, yay, another hardbound book for, for AD&D. Wonderful. Cool stuff. Yay. And uh, then I found out later on why they produced it, because they need to make money. Yeah, fortunately. <laughs> I guess around this time, 84, 85, uh, TSR was kind of strapped for cash, even though they had the the, the Dungeons & Dragons uh, cartoon show. They had all the merchandising for the show. But from what I remember reading um, a couple of books about this time, uh, what's the one that, about Gary Gygax that came out? Uh, Empire Imagination. Empire of Imagination, yeah. Yeah, it's an excellent reference, by the way, for anybody who wants to uh, get into that. And also um, Gaming at the World, I believe, is another good reference. But anyway... Uh, at this time, they were they kind of overextended themselves on the whole merchandising thing. Uh, didn't they at one point have like TSR got into like what needlepoint stuff and <laughs> coloring books and, and wood and... wood etching? Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. And so, yeah, they kind of overextended themselves there outside of the uh, the hobby. I mean, Is... I can understand staying within it. And maybe some of the action figure stuff, for, but uh, a lot of it, they kind of did a shotgun effect and uh, the returns were not so great. So they thought a good way to make a, hopefully a quick buck was to take a lot of the uh, Sorcerer Scroll uh, articles out of Dragon Magazine and a few other things and make a compilation book. And that's what Unearth Arcana became. Was this around the same time that the Bloom Brothers started to bail on the company and sell I it? believe so. Yeah, I think that's I'm around that time. I'm pretty sure it is. When they around that time. They went behind Gary's back and sold their shares, and that's how we got Lorraine. And then, yes. And then a few years later, yeah, I think she came on, what, 86, 87 or something like that. Yeah, right around when the cartoon was in its full effect, and they sent him over to take care of the cartoon. They're like, go away and deal with the cartoon. Yeah, he was in Hollywood. Then, then Lorraine took over, and then we saw the implosion. I should say <laughs> the explosion in implosion of TSR yes. by creating Buck Rogers nonstop. Play the Star Wars Death 
star music now. Sorry. Anyway, so that was, from what I recall, at least the history behind how this book came out. And at least I remember at the time, most people were excited about when this came out because more rules, more options. Because, you know, up until then, the the most recent book, I believe, was Monster Manual 2. Mm-hmm. And that came out 82 or 83. Uh, so, And unless you had... Uh really cool parents and got the um rpa rpga and um oh what was the name of the other magazine that came in the mail not the dragon mag the other one that we polyhedron yes polyhedron unless you were cool enough to get those things in the mail you never got anything new right exactly i mean other than that you know dragon magazine that a lot of people did get or polyhedron because the only time you got polyhedron as if you're an RPGA member, if I remember correctly. Yes, I so, had that. I would loved it. Outside of that, yeah, there wasn't any new material unless you were coming up with stuff on your own. Which most so, people did, yeah. Yes, which most people did, obviously. I mean, yeah, everybody houseled the heck out of the game. It was kind of the, the standard, the norm. So, anyway, kind of going into the book itself. Oh, a little side note. I thought this was interesting. Have you noticed... When they did the reprints, they did Monster Manual, DM's Guide, Player's Handbook, Unearth Arcana, but no Fiend Folio. Yeah, I was curious why they never did do a reprint of the Fiend Folio, because yeah. that was quite popular. Or Monster Manual 2. There are so many copies of the Fiend Folio out there that you can get them for dirt cheap in like near mint condition. So yeah. I think they were just like, yeah, we don't really need to print this one. It's pretty readily available. But they never did Monster Manual 2 either. Hmm. Which I thought was kind of odd. So, I would have, anyway. I would have liked them to see them do Manual of the Planes as well, but... Hmm. Hmm. I guess this is those four books is what they considered core. So Yeah. Anyway. Also, uh, this um, the Unearthed Arcana book m- marks the uh, what is it? The beginning of the end of the spines, the spines for the books. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it was kind of the yeah. You're kind of going in a. It was kind of a watershed moment, yeah. I guess, if you think about it. This was kind of the peak, and after that, you know, I guess, you know, they jumped the shark. In this case, they jumped the land shark, and. <laughs> Then you had the Dungeoneers and Wilderness Survival Guides, which were meh. <laughs> Most people consider... And, manual, and the, manual of the Planes, too. Do, do you think... Still, I, I like Manual of the Planes. Do you think in your mind, Nick, this Unearthed Arcana kicked off 1.5e? If you <laughs> want to call it that, after after years of you know how they labeled things, I guess you could call it quote-unquote 1.5 yeah because i'm one of those people in that boat that consider when this came out it became 1.5 like this book from my understanding when i was a kid this book was the most awesome book in the world of course because it had all this cool right. new stuff and like all this going like oh cool this is so awesome by the way that was nick not sound effects crispy um, yeah i get you i'm on the up and up now <laughs> okay good yeah and I remember this I mean, book was so awesome and everything, but now looking back at it now, or maybe in the past 10 years, I'm like, this is like house rules of Gary and like power gaming stuff to make people happy and things like that. And I'm reading stories behind how Gary just released it, like you said, for money. And it was just basically more rules to make more people happy. 
isn't he like on record as saying like I didn't want to release this book, but people wouldn't shut up about it, so here it is. Yeah. Pretty much yeah. one of the impression I got, it's not necessarily he wanted to do it. It was more of a necessity he had to to make some money for TSR. And they did. For a brief while, this from what I understand, this bailed TSR out from going mm-hmm. bankrupt the first time. Yeah, because didn't so, uh didn't Zeb Cook actually write this book, and they just put Jerry, uh, not Jerry, yes, uh, Jerry, uh, Gary Gygax's twin brother, Jerry Gygax, <laughs> his evil twin. <laughs> um, I didn't hear that, but maybe Nick, he's more of a historian. He might have heard something. I don't remember reading that at all, and, and playing at the world. So, um, it could be wrong. Not that I recall. Yeah. Um, I think he was. I think a Zeb Cook. I didn't have to talk to him directly. You know, I think he was uh, more involved with when they had, well, manual of the planes, maybe. Um, I'd have to look into that. Is Zeb Cook even quoted as an author in this book or a writer? I don't don't see him anywhere. I mean, they have Frank and Jeff Grubb and uh, a couple people, Luke. And then uh, Kim Moen, who, like, I've seen that name before. Frank Metzer, Kim Mohan, Jeff Grubb. Who belabored me for so many pages of questions and suggested qualifications? I'll never forgive him. <laughs> yeah, Kim Mohan was the, um, I believe at that point was the Dragon Magazine editor or Dungeon Magazine yes, editor. Yes, he was yeah. the editor in chief for Dragon. Yeah, I've heard that name before, and the, like you know, Luke Gygax, Frank Metzer, Jeff Grubb, you know, people who were ah, there we go, big in the old school. Does anyone who I've never heard the name Len Lakofka? I have. Oh, yeah, yeah Len Lakofka, yes. What did he do? He not only helped with this book, but he did the Lendor Isle series of modules. Uh, <laughs> that would be uh, the Assassin's Knot, Secret of Bone Hill, and the Lost module that came out in the Silver Anniversary box set, uh, Deep Dwarven Delve. <laughs> and he's still fairly active. I know he's active out there on the, as far as doing stuff. Len Lacoste, yeah. I remember Jason was always referring to him a lot in the beginning of this show. Right, because he always like made a lot of levels and mathy stuff, which I personally don't give a darn about. But mm-hmm. hey, <laughs> to each their own. It is funny that Kim Mohan, uh, speaking back with him, will not do any interviews for some reason. I don't no. know why. Kim Mohan, and I think, uh, who also was editor uh, Roger Moore, not the actor, but the editor. Remember Absolutely when Roger... me not will give an interview. I've asked beyond beyond contacts that know him, and he said, "Just leave me alone." Oh, huh. Kim Mohan? No, uh, Roger Moore. Yeah, him too. Yeah, he totally dropped out of the whole industry. Uh, something happened bad when he was editor of TSR Hobbies, uh, Dragon Magazine, and yeah, since then, yeah, he just yeah just off the radar. I tried to get him through uh, Jeff Grubb, and we interviewed him a couple times because Jeff is good friends with him still. And mm-hmm. he came back with, just don't even ask him again. He doesn't want to be bothered. Just leave it alone. I was like, okay, no problem. Cool. Respect. Cool. Yeah. We'll just move on from there. <laughs> and Kim Mohan, when we asked him, I think Jason actually tried to get him at Gen Con one time, and he yeah. just said, uh, no, I'm just here to do something, and I'm done. And I don't think really saw much more of him, so. Yeah. He might have been at that point working on something for, at that point, fourth edition maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. Pathfinder. I'm not sure. I know he was doing something there. Oh. 
Well, there's some of the history and I guess you could say some of the controversy behind this book, but ultimately it did give the TSR hobbies that uh, big jolt of cash that they needed. Yeah. So so what were your, I guess you did say, Vince, what your your impressions were like when we were kids. Yeah. You're thinking this is the coolest thing since sliced bread. So Yeah, now... it was. But this book, like... Okay, this book like took the entire game and turned it upside down. In my mm. opinion, new classes, they moved things around, rerouted things, they gave more rules on the original classes, more yeah. ways to roll up things. It was just like, ah, now you have to relearn all this plus a new stat. Plus you had the you had a huge influx of drow characters for a while. Well, let first <laughs> let's put that aside. A new yeah. stat to the game. Comeliness. Well, comeliness, comeliness, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I hate comeliness. I think Nick and I have talked about this in the past because Nick's like, no, comeliness is cool. And I was like, no, this is stupid. I don't see the need for the. the I don't understand why they came up with comeliness. Because charisma is a measure of force of personality, it is not necessarily someone's physical looks. Uh, you could look at someone like John Malkovich, who is not classically handsome, but is magnanimous and magnetic on the screen. You sound like John Malkovich. <laughs> Actually, he sounds like the the, the uh, comic book guy. Yeah, a little bit. Worst death ever. ever. It's not the worst supplement ever. Did you? All right. So did did you, Nick, back then when this book come out, use comeliness, try it, or you were just meh? I think we did. Yeah, I think I did. Might have. I'm wondering if was Cumulus included in the RPGA or did they not bother with it? I don't remember at the time, to be honest. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't think I it was do. one of those things that added in. The that only reason why. Yeah, Crispy you wasn't know, alive. I gotta tell you, I think the only reason why they added the Cumulus stat is because part that stat is part of what makes Cavaliers Cavaliers, if I recall. That's a key stat for them, I think. Uh, I think it is, actually. Yeah. Um, and it's actually... Uh, excuse me, Nick, but it's pronounced Chevalier. What? Chivalry, you mean? Chevalier. Yeah, Chevalier. That's... Then they, that's pronounced, the, then they pronounced it incorrectly on the, the cartoon show, then. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, the French origin of Cavalier is Oh, Chevalier. yes. The, the one that retreats, the Chevalier... The French Cavalier. <laughs> and his battle standard is a white flag. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like a horse on I it. don't know. Mm. I don't know. Comeliness, I think we did use it for a while, but, you know, it kind of yeah, kind of died out, you know? I mean, yeah, charisma pretty much covered it all. Then you have, what, uh, all the different character races. Well, I was looking through this earlier this morning, uh, just kind of refreshing, because it's been a while since I've read Unearthed Arcana, and all of the elf sub-races are... They're so stupid. I'm, I'm sorry, Gary. Like, I love you, but half of the, the elf subspecies in this book are like, they don't interact with anyone who's not an elf very much. It's like, okay, well, why are they adventurers then? Like, come on. Because they're part of the, the elven douchebag clan, that's why. Yeah. There you go. Does that answer well, your question? If you remember, if you, if you looked at the 
the character class limitations for the races, one of the things that stuck out to me when I first got this, like, oh, well, there's Dark Elves. Dark Elves? Drow? You can play a Drow? Ooh, that'll be fun. Yes, Fike of all the moody, emo, Drow characters that were out there. Well, like, reading through the Drow entry, it sort of sets up the Drist problem, because it's like, if you're playing yeah. a Drow player character, you're a renegade from your, your clan and homeland. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's that's Drist. Oh, that's where, that, that's where he got it. Second. Yeah, hold on a second. Dark Elf character class. Oh, they can play Rangers. How interesting. Hmm. Happy little tree. <laughs> can I Can I get two scimitars and <laughs> now now nick i have this joke that i do among my friends uh i don't know if you've ever heard bob salvatore talk but he sounds like bostonian ray romano yes he, he just is. has that ray romano voice yeah he sounds like this yeah yeah, yeah. He, you know i was looking here and i saw that i could be a dog elf so you know i i was like i was thinking his name's drist darden of the Half no shaft no thousand no frenemies, and Menzel Baronzan, Debra, <laughs> Ma, <laughs> Robert now too. Robert. <laughs> okay, now that we got the Ray Romano out of the way. Yeah. No, the rest of the show is going to be done like this. No, you, if Crispy, I'll disconnect you. Yeah, people are going to vomit. Yeah, really. <laughs> Uh, we also we got uh, this book also introduced a lot of sub races as we as Crispy uh, just mm -hmm. spoke about. Which... Well, yeah, we had the Dark Elves and they had what was it? <sighs> Deep Gnomes, mm -hmm. Surface Gnomes, and the, the Dwergar as well. Yeah. Yes, and um, the Deep Gnomes. I believe I pronounced this right. Nerf Neblin. <laughs> Nerf Neblin. Yeah. yeah, it's Scurf Flippin' Swerf Nerf Neblin. Yeah, that that Scurf classic Nebl Missy Elliott. That classic Missy Elliott lyric. Uh, yes. Deep Gnomes, also known as Rip Neblin. <laughs> Sounds like you're clearing your nose. Rip <laughs> Neblin. A good gag for future shows is anytime we talk about Swerve Neflin, you just take another word that was said earlier in the podcast and uh, reverse the audio <laughs> and put that go. as a placeholder. Oh, jeez. There you go. But, you know, for Deep Gnomes, this is where I could, I guess I could go with Vince. There's a bit of a power creep here because their ability to, you know, summon earth elementals once a day. Yeah. Well, and like a really big earth elemental. Yeah. yeah roll one, would you get a 24 hit dice earth elemental? It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> or you could get a Zorn. Is that like a Xylon or? Oh, never mind. Oh, Zorn, you. Sorry. You know the one that's from the elemental plane of Earth that likes to eat all the rocks and yes and minerals and whatnot. Oh, is that the one that Tim Allen had to fight in Galaxy? Never mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yes, that. <laughs> the yeah, Garfalak like, or whatever. They look like little children. Yes. Another thing that kind of blew my mind away when I saw this is the Cavalier being its own class, not subclass anymore. And, and taking that, that was became. weird. I never yeah. noticed that before. And it's like, so the Paladin isn't a subclass of fighter anymore now nope. it's a subclass, subclass of this new thing yeah no idea why they did that but hey whatever now if you want to talk power creep though if you read under the paladin in unearth arcana yeah 
Um, the powers, abilities, and level advancement of the Paladin described in Player's Handbook remain unchanged. In addition, the Paladin gains the abilities and powers of the Cavalier class, including weapons of choice, parrying ability, horsemanship, saving throw bonuses, and immunity to fear. Hmm. Yeah. And those have stuck historically with the Paladin as, like, the Paladin steez. Like, you know, 5th edition at 4th level, you, you get a magic horse. Right. Pretty sure in 3rd uh, edition it was the same as well. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember you know, when I when people talk about this book in in our community, and they say, "Well, God, the Cavalier class was so overpowered, dude! Look what happened to the Paladin. That's Cavalier plus." <laughs> I was just gonna say Cavalier plus. I mean, where are you? It's it's does everything the Paladin could do: lay on hands, ability turn undead later on, blah blah blah. Spillability. Now you got the thing of weapon of choice and charging in the combat on your steed, getting those bonuses. Wait, the cavalier can also yeah the paladin turn on just... dead. No, no, cavalier cannot turn. Okay, on I was like, I didn't remember reading that, but why? That's magical stuff. No, cavalier... paladin. No, but the paladin can take uh, its stat, um, its stats, and do the percentile like a cavalier now, and increase them that way every level, which is. Ridiculous. Bit ridiculous, right. but it has all the abilities of a cavalier. So you just turn the paladin into the tank, to a mega the... cavalier. Yes, mega cavalier. Which then you get your other cool things if you can find them, either full plate or field plate. But that's later on in the book. Hmm. <laughs> so you... um, there was a thing about the druids that they added extra levels, which I don't think. Anybody got high enough level to, to even care about. Um, no. I did like uh, what they did to the fighter, though, with the weapon specialization. That made that made the fighter something you would actually would want to play once in a while, at least in my opinion. Yeah, is this the uh, the first appearance of weapon specialization? Yes, it is. Okay. As far as I recall, well, you this... were able to do weapons specialization in the core book. It was just slightly different. That's all. Yeah, this they expanded it out a little more and basically gave a special ability to the vanilla fighter, and he's not so vanilla anymore. He's more of uh, I don't know, uh, Neapolitan. Or <laughs> uh, no, no. Then you had the barbarian. I I think that the unearthed. One of your unearthed bar- uh, blah, 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 blah. the unearthed barbarian. Uh, oh, God damn it! Take three. I'm sorry. I think that the one unearthed arcana barbarian. There we go. That's the words that I want to say. Uh, is the best version of the barbarian in all of D and D history. You think so? Really? Yeah. Really? It's the. I think it's closest. The. I think it's the closest emulation of Conan that yeah. I've ever seen. With like the yeah. climb speed, that's always bugged me about uh, about barbarians. It's now they're just the dude who gets real mad. Yeah. They weren't really Conan-y, and this is definitely this is Conan well, the Barbarian. Right. They were like and that. Uh, what was of, that second edition class? Was it the Berserker or the Berserker? Yeah. I remember that was actually an NPC class in first edition. Yeah. My love for you is like a truck. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh... Have you never seen Clerks? Yes, I have. Okay. 
The opinions expressed by Crispy are not I those don't know of the. What he's talking about? <laughs> anyway, so Barbarian. I just love it under, under Barbarian level title. Barbarian. Level two. Barbarian. Level three. Barbarian. <laughs> yeah, I don't get why they did that. I don't know either. Could they just like drawn a line or just said Ibid? <laughs> you know, see above. But yeah, Barbarian, very nasty class in here. I One of the things I did kind of like in here is still for the bar, for the barbarian there's a couple of uh, or three paragraphs that kind of that makes a tie to world of greyhawk campaign setting and say if you got barbarians from this area or for this area this is what they're kind of like so kind of gave a uh you an idea if you're going to play a barbarian what you might want to go with if if you use world of greyhawk or uh if your own campaign setting how you can might want to tweak them out to be more specific to regions. Magic so I thought bug. that was kind of cool. So, yeah, the Barbarian, it was pretty cool because it had 12 hit dice for hit points. Yeah, it, uh, the Cavalier originally had that, which they re, they can, they was a mistake, which they moved down to Yeah, it 10. was supposed to be, what, 10? Yeah. They so, fixed it with some yeah, I think they, yeah, and they fixed it in the book. There is an errata. Um, yeah, they also did some stuff for the cavil, or no, I mean the ranger for tracking. You know, they added that. Um, well, it made some good improvements, I think, to help the DM flesh out how to do it better. Now, this did not make sense to me when it came to the ranger. If you look under giant class opponents, cobalt, really. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure about that one either. Tasseloy? Zvarts? Are those? Bless you, Nick. Bless you. Oh. Yeah, I had a little... Yeah. Sorry, I zvarted. Oh! Um, <laughs> oh! But I'm Goblins are not giant class creatures. I'm I sorry. Think, I think this was before they had uh, come up with the term humanoid, maybe? No. Mm-hmm. No, that was around. Because it, it's right there under the table. Huh. Humanoid slash in quotes giant class opponent. Oh yeah, there it is. It's right. If it was a snake, it would have bit me. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't Crispy. I guess monstrous humanoid is what they meant. I'm not sure what's going on with this, but a cobalt is not are... a monstrous humanoid. <laughs> I wouldn't I mean, even it's like a three and a half and foot a... he's a three and a half foot tall critter who's really annoying. Children are humans too, Nick. You should know that. You're a father. Oh my gosh, we're talking about kobolds here. Anyway, moving on. Thief acrobat no one cared about. Well, (laughs) they did that obviously because of the cartoon for one. They had to have. And thief acrobat. No, she was just acrobat. But she she was was a thief thief acrobat. acrobat. (sighs) Well, she was a thief acrobat, but there was a thief and also the acrobat. Oh, well, yeah. This was one of the classes that was just a pain in the butt to qualify for. It's so stupid, too. Why would I... I could be, like, a cool dude who shoots, like, arcane energy and fireballs and eventually can make my own plane of existence. (laughs) Or, you know, I can be really good at tightropes. And juggle. Oh. Definitely will help me survive a pit trap in a dungeon. My ability to juggle. Well, one of the things that kind of I don't think a lot of people played the thief acrobat because you get once you split off become a thief acrobat you can no longer gain 
percentile points for pickpockets, open locks, yeah. read magic, find traps or remove traps. You've just became very useless. I don't think <laughs> anyone played the Thief Acrobat. If you play the Thief Acrobat, send me an email at criticalwits at gmail.com. Yes. We do not condone that email address. on no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. You're going to get an email and they're going to have someone saying, hey, you know what? My most successful character was a 22nd level Thief Acrobat. And he was amazing. I think I've had one person out of all the years of me playing, and that's like 30 something years playing, uh, that wanted to be Thief Acrobat. Ah, I'm turning it to crispy here. Thief yeah. Acrobat. And that was in the last two years, Nick. Really? Yeah, he was in my recent gaming group here when we were playing at the Reaper store. He wanted to become a thief acrobat when he hit the appropriate level. He was gearing for it. I'm like, okay, sure thing. I don't know. I'm looking at the thief acrobat's abilities, and I don't know, guys. Like, here's here's a cool thing: jumping. You just get so good at jumping. <sighs> that actually can be useful. That could actually yeah, be useful. Yeah, crispy. Okay? God. Moving on. Uh, money. <laughs> That's the next segment. Yeah, pretty much. They talk about starting money for cavaliers. But you had to roll social class for a cavalier to see where you landed as a cavalier, which was yes. weird. Oh, That's weird. right. Because we didn't mention, but obviously if you have the book, you know, but if you listening to this and not knowing what the unearthed account is, you have a chance to start at ne uh, negative experience points or le level zero pretty much right yeah. or basically a page or a square or negative one level if you think about it i mean not that it's possible but if you look at it, it's double zero essentially it's negative yeah. one level i don't think i had anybody actually use those negative experience point I, levels when no yeah when i played uh uh there was, there was a guy named dan who was dming he made me roll on the chart to figure out where it was. Oh. And I started as a Lancer, which was, uh... That's just cruel. Yeah, and he put me at negative 400 experience points. I was like, Jay, but it's 501, and but I'm glad he gave me a little yeah, extra. Yeah, and was it 1d4 plus... 2d4 plus 1 hit points. Ooh -hoo. You're almost as useless as a first-level magic user. He's like, it'll be good for you when you get to be first-level when everyone else is second-level. <laughs> Oh, you have man, more hit points than the rest of the party. I'm like, and? Yay. If I, I like, live. If I live, yes. You have a lance and padded armor. Go. <laughs> no. Well, Speaking if you, of armor. You had to have a, um, a sponsor to be that low level too. So I had to have an NPC cavalier running around telling me what to do. Well, right. I mean, if you're going with a kind of a medieval aspect of the game you were either you know you're basically a page or a squire to a full-fledged knight so that's Gosh. what was going on there i could see this working out if your dm is good and you can trust him in like the creative process but i could i could see a lot of angry 12 year olds in 1986 yeah. who yeah swore off like, the book. they're like i don't want to pay a squire it sucks yeah, my DM Dan was um, a little nerdy, uh, and he uh, his last name was actually Dragon, which was kind of funny. Yeah, his Dragon. He loved playing Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, I wouldn't say he was the best DM in the world, but you know, he was kind of a dick. We'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. Well, to put it bluntly, 
he was cool. Yeah, I, I mean, could see, yeah, like a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of 14 year olds with low self esteem trying to get a power trip off of being the, uh, the mentor knight. Yeah. Like okay. that never happened. Oh, it definitely, absolutely. Yeah. Happened. Moving oh. along, uh, Nick, you were talking about the armor. Go ahead. Yeah, um, it's like kind of going back to the Cavalier or the Paladin being a tank or any other fighter class. You had the introduction of field plate and full plate armor. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I guess as a DM, I think, great. Now I got players running around who thinks they are tanks. <laughs> Did field plate ever make it into the later editions? I'm not even sure. Yes. Did it? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think second it, edition. Second absolutely. edition. Yeah, and the arms and equipment guide. Oh, yeah. okay. He also had the introduction of, uh, what was it, bronze plate mail. Yeah, yeah. That's a little weird to me. Like, I guess bronze, I guess bronze Age armor, sure. Yeah, if you were going yeah, to go with a Bronze Age kind of uh, Roman Empire for your campaign, yeah, that would probably be your, their, your top type of armor that you would have for people. I could see that for, even for a kind of a Conan the Barbarian... Hy- Hyboria type campaign. Yeah, I was just thinking about an adventure or conqueror king. Yeah, I would think if you were going to use something like that, I think bronze plate mail would be your kind of your armor cap. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would kind of make sense. A, a very low and kind of dark age medieval kind of feel. Mm. Um, what else then besides armor? Uh, he had the well, he had the introduction of the buckler too, the buckler shield, mm-hmm. which was for your thieves. Because the thief could use a buckler, mm-hmm. so which was in effect, I think that was kind of cool. Do I remember a lot of people who played thieves use the buckler? No, uh, not really. I think, I, I think I've done it. Had a buckler with a thief. Have yeah. you? Have you? Have you? I have. I've also like yeah, played a, a ranger who had a buckler because uh, in later editions you can have a buckler just strapped to your arm all the time and still use a bow. Right. And yeah. then after the armors, you've got uh, Gary's love of weird niche medieval weapons. Well, the, the bow Atlas. arms were always there, but yeah. all, all the at, uh, Adelaide. The, I, I See, I was going to say Adelaide. Adelaide, that's right. Then you got the, the drow hand crossbow. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot um, of drow player characters running around with those. Yeah, and then you've got your like Middle Eastern Iron Age weapons like the Kopish and yeah. the Falchion. Well, now the Falchion uh, historically was a it was a nasty sword. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's uh it's a good sword. You know? Oh like, my gosh. The Chinese yeah. war sword is basically a Falchion. Well, a lot of uh, uh, mid late medieval period, a lot of knights used the Falchion. Because it was a heavy chopper. Yeah. I mean, versus like your regular arming sword, a falchion, if you if you saw a picture of one, the the end of the blade is thicker and it's very heavy. So it's it's like it's like a machete on steroids, essentially. So that was a heck of a weapon used uh on the battlefield, particularly on horse. You're coming at a charge with a falchion. Yeah, you're chopping even through, probably even through a uh, uh, plate. Magic spells. Okay. And then there's the garrot. You know, when you want to choke a dude. Yes. 
Cantrips. Yay. Cantrips. Never used them. <laughs> Cantrips and uh, later, what is it? Horizons? Horizons, they called them. Yeah, Orisons, I've Orisons, always said, or- but oh, I don't yeah. know if that's correct. Yeah, I don't think I ever used the Cantrips. I mean, I read through them and I. I, I never thought, saw a point to them. B, that's useful. I guess if you want. Thump. Wanna, <laughs> I want to make someone giggle. Yes. I guess it's useful in battle. Dampen. There's a cantrip called dampen. Well, maybe yeah. you want someone to appear that they wet their pants. Now, this kind of goes into a house rule thing. I remember um, people house ruling. They're like, ah, I don't want to like take up spell slots for cantrips when cantrips aren't exactly the most powerful thing. Uh, I think a lot. I th- I know some people, myself included, said whatever your intelligence score is, you can have half as many of those as cantrips without taking up spell slots or something of that. Hmm. So, like, if you had a sixteen, you know, you get eight free cantrips that you can have. So, I don't know. I, don't know, I could see curdle being pretty useful. Curdle. You know, yeah, you've got yes. a like a, a bugbear drinking drinking some milk. You curdle it. Turn it into sour cream. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> totally mess up his entire day. Yeah. Well, yeah. Awesome. You know, he's going to he's gonna be in the bathroom all day. Let's talk about some real spells, though. Some that kind of popped out at you as being great additions, I guess. Uh, Evard's Black Tentacles. Um, I liked, at least for the Cleric, because that's like one of my favorite character classes, a Wyvern Watch. I thought it was a really cool addition. So notice they don't like they don't one. update clerks by saying they can use uh, edged weapons in this book. Yes, I noticed that. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. Like you anymore. This has been like a this has been like a six year argument. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. <laughs> it started yes, it on has. episode five when Nick joined us. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, for the druid, I like this one, Flame Blade. Mm. That's actually a pretty cool spell. Is that considered a cantrip according to it's in italics? No, flame blade. No, it's just no. described in this book. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Now, yeah. saying it's a new spell. Got it, yeah. Um. Oh, uh, goodberry oh. comes from this book for Drew? yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here. I uh, because I'd only ever skimmed unearthed arcana for the time that i had a physical copy of the book and a few years ago i had actually sat down and read to it because i was like why do people like this book it's stupid it's got comeliness blah and then i read the the spell section i was like oh no there's like a lot of really good stuff in here that became there it is um staples for D magic for the later editions exactly like uh here's the one flaming sphere for a magic user yeah. that one became a staple yes yeah, spike growth Melt Acid Arrow. Lovely mm-hmm. spell. That, mm-hmm. I like that spell. I mean, that's the spell. You, it goes off, and it continues doing damage. <laughs> Mordecai's Magnificent Mansion. There you go. Yeah. Um, what's another one that was actually pretty good? At least I thought. Uh, uh, good for players. Not so good for being a DM stone skin. How many yeah. of you have buffed your magic users? I'm going to cast 10 out stone skins before we go into the dungeon on myself. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> okay, great. You can't walk anymore. You're so weighed down. Oh, Tasha's uncontrolled hideous laughter is in this spell. Or is in this book. Uh, that's yeah, a great one. Yeah. Uh, chain lightning is a good one. 
<clears throat> As I said previously, Evard's Black Tentacles, which is one of my favorites. Hey, hey, hey. Family podcast. <laughs> no, it's, you know, you, oh. you summon you summon Cthulhu Tentacles from yeah. the depths of heck. So this is Legend, it becomes Legend of the Overfiend? Oh, God. No, don't go there. Please, no, no. Yeah, you get those tentacles from beyond. Here's actually here's another spell, very high level, ninth level magic user spell here, that I remember this was introduced in I think Vault of the Drow, or uh, uh, it might have been Vault of the Drow, or Descent into Depths of the Earth, Crystal Brittle. Hmm. Hmm. That's a nasty spell. You can cast it on any metal, anything from. Uh, soft as gold to hard as anamantite, and it'll turn into a crystalline salt substance. And you just smack it, it breaks apart. Nasty, nasty spell. Cast that on a magic sword, she would happen. Yeah, I think this book is worth it for just the spells alone, even if you yeah. don't use any of the updated class stuff. I think there's some really good magic stuff in here. Yeah, I'm surprised. Well, I, another one that became a staple for it first started off for being an illusionist, but I think magic users also could use them too. Well, use it too was the chromatic orb spell. Mm -hmm. That one became quite popular later on. Okay. So, and depending on which, if you got the reprint, I have the original on page seventy-two. There is an appendices for. Um, there's appendix what six? There was a uh, corrections. There were some corrections that had to be made on the character race table. Uh, something on the thieves armor effects for thieves and the thief acrobat. And I do remember this came out later, originally in Dragon Magazine. The this errata. So, but they did put it in the middle here. Yeah, right before the the, uh, the DM section, which is kind right of... Right before the DM section, where I think is becomes very, very useful, uh, this book. Um, <laughs> though, I, I think there was one thing that you brought up, Vince, before the show, the character creation method five that they introduced. I think I kind of get an idea why you want to talk about that one. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this. you going, oh. <laughs> Every time, okay, every time I play 1E with, like, new people that haven't played in, like, 10, 15, 20 years, the first thing they say is, are we using Unearthed Arcana? And I'll be like, well, depends why. Oh, can we use the dice rolling method from there? No. Because <laughs> they're referencing this method. This is, like, well, the Munchkin method. also got to keep in mind it's only for humans. Yeah, but they want to use it because apparently a lot of DMs said, well, we're just going to use it for any clash now. Oh, and not just for, yeah, for any race. I mean, I mean any race, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was yeah. My geek voices exactly. off. You should yeah, yeah, I think it does say, though, it's only for... Yeah, it's yeah, great human right player characters. Sentence. Only for human player characters. But apparently a lot of DMs were just like, well, we'll just use it for any race now because you know it's a rolling method and it's my game so let's break the entire game now yeah pretty much so other than allowing the drow uh, i'm sorry dark elf cavalier yeah yeah of course with the two scimitars you know 
I was just, uh, it was two weeks ago, I was in my uh, gaming group. They were playing 5e. I finally convinced them to play 1e, which we just played this past weekend. And yeah. one of the girls in the group was trying to de- debate on what she was going to play. And this one dude who played D&D probably like how we played it, Nick, the first thing yeah. came out of his mouth was, I hope you're using Unearthed Arcana and play a Drow Cavalier and see if he'll allow you to use Rolling Method 5. <laughs> I was like, give me a break! No! <laughs> well, first I would say, yes, you can play a Drow Cavalier. No, you cannot pl- use Method 5. <laughs> yeah, and his statement was like, oh yeah, that just so broke the game. And why are you suggesting it to a new person yeah. to the edition? <laughs> it's like, you're rubbing salt in the wound now, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it also did, like, all the other human characters get to use Method 5, because... Then it's like, oh, this person is way more powerful, and there's favoritism, and also it's bad. Well, it's a bad method. This had to be determined at the beginning of the campaign, I'm assuming. Right, and it was for use this method so people would have basically a incentive to play a human. Because there was no incentive to play a human. Yeah, there really wasn't. They besides, you know, they could be in limited all classes. Ooh. Um, Even though this was a human-centric world campaign that Gary made up, but he never gave humans. Now anything. there is something that uh, kind of gets overlooked in this uh, in Unearthed Arcana, which I thought was kind of interesting. What's that? Is about um, magic user and illusionist spell books. Oh, the traveling mm-hmm. spell book. Yeah, yeah. That was I always that a was house rule. Cool. That was always a house rule that we played with before this book even came out. Mm-hmm. What you... page is that on? Uh, um, page 79 it yeah. starts okay. alright I'm there this came up with a lot of the rules on having spell books later on in the game particularly like if you're going to cast directly from a spell book that spell is permanently lost that was um, also house rules that we played with too so that's why a lot of people right. thought these were all house rules right there was some confusion saying, is this is this official or is this house ruling? Well, eh, yes. And you can house rule, that's official. But you can officially rule it's a house rule. Da, 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 da. <laughs> exactly. But I thought that was kind of a, this is a cool section about, uh, you know, spell books and what could be, what would be there as you're, when starting out, as a magic user or illusionist, what are your spells in your spell book when you first get them? Has you know one offensive, one defense, and one miscellaneous spell. Well, they did that, and they did that in the DMG guide, uh, Dungeon yeah. Master's guide. They they said you have to have these following things. The DM should pick them out, and if you really want to be nice, you can allow the player to get with the DM and determine them. So they, already... they also well, they also expanded it for the illusionist too. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, it was I guess it was kind of said that it would be the illusionist the same way. Yeah. But... I guess people needed it written out for them. Yes, some did. Um, what else? This also introduced the stuff about social rank yeah. and circumstances of birth. Yeah. Like you were alluding to, Vince. Well, I mean, you had to roll on here. By, you had to um, roll on the uh, social class and rank to see where your cavalier landed. Right. But this could have been used by any oh, yeah, yeah. race or class. And I believe if you read the Cavalier, it says at a certain level it's cut off. So if you roll too low of a social class, you can't even be a Cavalier. Be a Cavalier. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I think you had to land in somewhere like middle class somewhere. Like, I think it was hmm. upper middle class, I believe. 
I think yeah, the minimum cutoff was upper minimum class for a cavalier. And you were still starting at right. negative one level. Right. I would never use that. I would never use that table. It would fall by the wayside like uh two hit versus specific armor class. And also um modifiers for height versus your opponent. Oh yeah. Well, I think the only reason why I could see someone using the social class stuff and circumstances of birth is if they're really going to get into a urban campaign that deals with a lot with the nobility mm-hmm. and those sorts of things can come into play. So you're going to be a lot of role playing involved with that. There's if a campaign's set up like that, I could definitely see a, a use for those sorts of things. So, but if you're just, you know, you're just talking like, you know, your standard dungeon crawl, wilderness adventuring campaign, not a whole lot of that would probably be useful. No. Yeah. No. So then I could, then when we come to the, actually the part of the book, which I like the most is tables. the magic items. Nick loves tables. Tables, tables, tables. No, I love tables too. I love randomness and rolling, and that's why I included yes. all that stuff in uh, Mazes and Perils because I love tables. So, mm-hmm. and this is why I this is my favorite portion of the book is all the new magic items that were added. Uh, I mean, starting with the potions, you had a lot of elixirs and oils that were ha- added. Yeah, like uh, the oil of impact, which or and the oil of sharpness, which um, actually are very useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, potion of fiery breath, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, oh yeah, you pay one and a red; it gives you plus one plus zero until end of turn. Yeah, That's a good explanation uh, of all these new items too. Oil of fumbling, yeah, there's a good one. Uh, so those are some of the magic potions I thought. Now some of the protection scrolls I thought were just kind of really really specialized you know like protection from plants well you protection know protection from gas maybe Ooh. you had a big dinner and you need some gas protection yeah that's, that's called gas, gas sex. yeah i need some beano <laughs> here read this read this scroll this will help you out okay um just pop yeah, protection from plants well you like, know the one chance out of a million that you're going to run into a shambling mound <laughs> There, there were There's some, also some. You are set. There were some you deadly are plants. Completely set. There were some deadly. There's plants. also some really, really powerful uh, protection scrolls, like protection from weapons, non-magic. Hey, yeah. Nick, this would come in handy in that forest oracle adventure. Remember? <laughs> That's true. With all those weird yeah. plants. <laughs> all those weird plants. Absolutely. There you go. Oh, that macho. Um. I love that there's a ring that is a joy buzzer. Yeah. The ring of shocking grass. Ring of shocking grass. <laughs> uh, the ring of the ram. That's a good one that was added. <laughs> um, What's another one? No. Uh, when you get to the rods, I like the rod of flailing. That's an awesome weapon. It just sounds weird. It, no, it's really cool. No, it just sounds weird. That's all. Yeah, because you're picturing a dude flailing his arms around. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Stop well, it. I mean, I love this magic item because later on, I had a cleric magic, a uh, cleric character that had this magic item, and it's an awesome weapon for a cleric. 
Mm. Because you essentially get two attacks around. <laughs> is this a uh, pre or post Lord Rod of Lordly Might? Uh, post Rod of Lord okay. Lordly Might. But if you read the Rod of Flailing, basically it forms a double-headed flail, and you have the option of having both. If I remember, if I'm looking at this right, uh, it's a plus three for hitting and damage, mm-hmm. and Better still, even when the weapons, each of the weapons two heads is checked for when the possessor attacks. So double hits can be scored either on a single opponent or two opponents who are man size or smaller. So basically, you're getting double damage each each time, but you can also basically split up the attacks between two different opponents, which is kind of cool. You know what? Uh, uh, jumping ahead, the appendices. Mm-hmm. We finally get some clarification on weaponless combat that's makes your eyes cross, but at least you can get some better understanding of how it works. On what? Weaponless combat, starting on uh, page 106. Oh, really? Yes. I don't know quite remember that. Yeah. Uh, this is something a lot of people forgot about, because weaponless combat oh, kind of just made you want to vomit everywhere by trying to do it. But Yeah, I forgot about this part. And... If we also get some really solid rules in Appendix R with non-lethal combat, finally. Like using the flat of your blade. Things like that, that, yeah. Disarming, vanquishing, things like that. You know, just a little more, you know, you can uh, use non-lethal combat against the dragon. Well, how? (laughs) Yeah. You just do it. How do you subdue the dragon? Uh, Boom. Subdual damage right here. Boom. Vanquishing. Boom. Disarming. All right here. Now we have some explanations. Yeah, other than, well, um, well you, you, yeah, you hit and you pull back just a little bit. That doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. <laughs> what else? Uh, Gods? Uh, there is the Staff of Thunder and Lightning, which is pretty, pretty cool. Uh, but my favorite one has to be the Wand of Force. That's a lightsaber, everybody, if you haven't figured it out. Yes. <laughs> If you read this, this description of this thing, if you have, it's a tri-function device. The Wand of Force enables the wielder cause a shaft of nearly invisible blue-white energy spring forth from the tip. That's a lightsaber. <laughs> this shaft of energy extends four feet and is equal to a plus five bastard sword. And... Secondly, a wand of force can be employed to create a wall of force duplicating the fifth level magic user spell. And thirdly, the wand of force can be employed to create a nearly invisible plane of energy which performs as it had been created by the caster of Big B's forceful hand spell. So basically force push. (laughs) It makes your character into a Jedi. This is what that magic item does. Yeah, basically, it is. Uh, Looking here, you put a force shield around yourself. You can force push people, and you have a lightsaber. Yeah. (laughs) Looking through here on uh, Appendix S, all of the uh, non-human deities. Oh yeah, stats for all of them as well. So if you ever want to punch God. I think this is actually my favorite part of the book was all the new magic items that were added. 
that was this was my favorite part i'm like we can always use more magic items out there um what's another one that was added that actually became i guess i guess you'd call it a staple where is it darn it where is it what are you looking for exactly i'm trying to Wow, we can't spend all the time looking for this, so let's just move yeah, forward. Yeah, anyway. And then there was all the different swords and the... What was it? The anything magic items? Like sword, magical, anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, great. Then you talked uh, about, like, the weaponless combat, and then... Subdual and non-lethal. Subdual, and then all the, like, non-human de- deities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we finally get a couple of those, which, you know, helpful for... Mm-hmm. People that just want their own deities for their character. I mean, their race. Yep. And after that, there's a whole appendix about pull arms. <laughs> hey. You laugh at that, my friend. <laughs> there's like but... size comparison charts. Oh, man. Hey, hey. You need it. Yeah. For, for, for a history geek like me, and I love this section. Appendix T for the nerd in you. That's right. That's me. Panic Tiford. Totally cool. The Axe the... family. I think the polearm appendix might be longer than the non-human deity appendix. It is. Well, Gary had his love of medieval polearms, and he did not want to let it go. And plus, they had to fill in space in the book. And that ends the book, because we get some credits in the back that are like a quarter yeah. of the page. <laughs> Yeah, cracks me up. Credits, boom. Afterward, boom. This little paragraph. That's it. If you have any questions, please write to Arcana Questions, care of TSR Incorporated, PO Box seven five six, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin five three one four seven. I'm guessing if you write to that now, it's not going to be TSR. No, it'll be returned to sender. <laughs> yes. Leave us alone. <laughs> Leave us alone. I get all these all the time. Who is this TSR person? <laughs> So I guess that kind of leaves us at why do you think people liked it or hated it? Maybe we already covered that. I'm not sure, but I mean, okay, I guess to kick it off, I I got mixed feelings about it. I mean, there are some things where you can understand. Yes, people hate it, but it's not entirely useless. I like the section about the magic items and the new and the new spells. I thought that was very useful. You know, uh, some other things I think you got to be a little careful of. They were, they tend, like I think Vince saying, they put it into a power gaming creep that came up in the future. So, it was. I mean, I I think I mostly used it for spells and magic items, primarily. Funny, I gave the option to everybody to play character classes from this book. When I started the 1E game and not one person picked it or used any of the adjustments. They all went with the core. So I was so happy. Mm-hmm. I could leave it yeah, home. Yeah, because it could be a kind of a pain. You got it like, like you think. And it, the power creep with the character classes and some of the races can be uh, can get out of control. Yeah. But I mean, as far as a resource for like new stuff like magic items and the spells... There's nothing there not to like. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good in this book. Um, there's a lot of, like, eh, I've never used this in this book. I don't know if there's anything really 
bad in it. I think at worst it just gets, eh, this is ignorable. Right. I don't think there's anything uh, heinous about it. I think you can, I think it's obvious to to people when you look through this in the context of the time. Yeah, this was kind of just slapped together. There, I mean, come on, there was a, there was an errata that came out in Dragon Magazine not too long after the thing was published. So this was the quick money maker for TSR at the time. And understandably so. It's either that or they would have been in deep financial trouble earlier than they wanted. So, mm-hmm. so you, you know, take it for what it's worth. I, I, to me, I don't get a lot of the negativity towards the book in its entirety. Well, it was just made for money, and then he had that stupid cavalier class, and then the paladin became uber powerful, and blah, 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 blah. Well, and I always say, well, what about this? Okay, well, that was pretty good. What about the new magic items? Oh, those were kind of cool, too. Aha! <laughs> so there. Yeah, like I said, this is, I think, the best version of the Barbarian, like, mm-hmm. out of any edition of D&D. Um and yeah, all the uh, like comeliness is dumb, but all the spells are really cool. Yeah, I thought the barbarian, which I didn't like, was like he wanted to break every magic item he came across and wanted to kill the the wizard. Magic yeah. user, <laughs> Nick. You know, like a barbarian. User, wizard. Yes, like a barbarian. Like Conan. I don't understand it. I must kill it or break it. Magic bad. <laughs> Mm. Even though I have clerics and they use our oh, <laughs> that's God inherited powers. Shut up. Yeah. Yes. Fine. So, so are we gonna are we gonna do uh, dragons or swords? How do we rate things on this show? Oh yeah, well I don't know. We, we swords. So we do swords. So um, all right, out of five. Go ahead, Crispy. Since you brought it up, you start it. I'd say three point five. Crispy with a solid 3.5. Nick, over to you, sir. I give it four swords. Yeah, I- I'm going to go with uh, Crispy on a 3.5. Has a lot of useful information in there. Do I really like using it? No, not at all. So it's like more three and three-quarter swords. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. And if Matt was here, Matt would probably give it a four. Yeah. I could see Matt's kind of a four guy, so. Yeah, he's kind of a four guy. Yeah. He can't truly commit to a five. No. And he doesn't want to give a too low of a rating, so he's you know people hate him. So, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, Matt, Matt's our politically correct guy on the podcast. No. Yeah, because we have to give him grief because he's not here. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Of course, Matt. Well, Matt is Matt is busy trying to rescue his uh, fiance. Well, sorry, his wife's car at the moment. So uh, yes. apparently, like the entire like engine block fell out or something. He was saying no, right? the tailpipe. Oh, it was a tailpipe. Yeah, something the fell exhaust. out of the car. <laughs> Yeah, yeah the what, whole engine like, block. What was it being held on with? Like zip ties and <laughs> yeah, just wire. wire. And force the will alone. <laughs> Some gum was in there, I think. I don't know. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, this book. I do remember getting this thing, and later on, all the influx of new of drow player characters that came along, and barbarians, and yeah, everybody went crazy for with all that for a little bit and it kind of simmered down yeah everybody wanted to try it out and understandably so 
Cool. And then they're like, oh, this isn't that great. Let's let I'm just gonna be a fighter and like a regular elf. Well, you know, you know, like fads, soon they die out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they died. Like a pet rock. Anyway, send us your comments, your questions, uh, your complaints to critical wits at no I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean Thaco's Hammers podcast. Yeah. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, RFI staff at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash RFI. Check us out on Twitter, the Twitter at, at RFI podcast. Uh, you can follow me, the evil DM at uh, Twitter as well. You can follow Crispy on Twitter, I think. Right, Crispy? Yeah. At Critical Wits, right? At Critical Wits underscore PC. Oh. There's another for podcast. Oh, uh, is, there's another critical wits. It was already taken. I Damn. see. Okay, and I think you could find us on Facebook. Well, not crispy. He's not on Facebook anymore. I believe that's true. You can find us on G Plus as well if you want to. Uh, we're on there sometimes. We have a community there. That you might find us under your porch. You never know. Nick is under your porch sweeping right now. Catch me outside. How about that? Slap. There you go. How about that? Slap. Anyway, (laughs) keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Later, everybody. The Roll for Initiative podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even call us at 570-865-4210. This podcast was produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. Remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and see you next time on Roll for Initiative.